You're listening to Finn Too Deep. Tua back to throw. Blitz coming. They get to him. No, he takes off running. And he's he in. It. Touchdown Miami. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. back to another episode of fin too deep as always i'm your host reason and i'm joined by my co-host neil driscoll you can follow both of us on twitter you can follow neil driscoll at neil driscoll you can follow myself at the underscore real underscore reason neil it is it's been a hectic week it's been a hectic last i mean four days um well if you include the will fuller saga it's been a hectic five days um so the weekend started off last weekend. Um, we found out that Will Fuller was, you know, going away from the team for personal reasons. I was told personally, I, you know, from someone in the know that he was, as far as in, in terms of his bad headspace, apparently he was even contemplating retirement. Um, that was what got Twitter a stir when I said that, when I was kind of vague, but that's what I was talking about. Um, and then it led into Sunday, all the hopes, all the dreams were dashed by the Buffalo Bills, and it wasn't even Josh Allen. They were dashed by the likes of A.J. Epinesa and Mario Addison and such. And, um, you know, Tua Tagovailoa was knocked out of the game. The Dolphins' defense held us around um, after they had a slow start themselves, but they got their bearings, and, they, you know, they – they gave us opportunity, the offense opportunities. They gave the offense chances. They couldn't convert. They couldn't even put points on the board. 0 for 4 on fourth down. Um, and then, you know, it ends in a 35 nothing shellacking. Um, Jacoby Brissett was having protection issues. It wasn't just a two-a thing. Um, you know, for example, Joe Burrow was pressured 11 times this past weekend. Um, Jacoby Brissett alone was pressured 28. Um the offensive line gave up 34 pressures um, in total in the game against the Bills, who, you know, were sending safeties, were sending extra man rushers, and showing a lot of cover two, changing into cover three post snap, just giving a lot of different looks. And um, yeah, Sunday wasn't very wasn't very good, and it didn't start off the weekend didn't start off well with the Wolf Filler stuff. I guess we should have known something was awry, huh, Neil? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, we're we're doing this today, right? We're we're taking the training wheels off, and we're going to be honest today, right? We're not going to make yeah, we're going everyone, yeah, okay, we're not going to make everyone feel that everything's good and and no, you know, the sunshine, it's not again. sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows in Miami right now. So we rewind. Uh, the season starts, you know, you know, a lethargic um, offensive performance, but you go on the road, you beat the New England Patriots, your division rival, best coach in NFL history, on the road, you get the W. And just to add to you, Neil. That win and that performance looks a little bit better after what we saw Zach Wilson did in his second game at home against New England because people are taking for granted what Tua's done twice in his first 10 starts compared to what Zach Wilson did, Mr. Four Interceptions. But anyways, continue. No, and we're on top of the world. Then the Will Fuller news comes out. And yeah. honestly, I, you know, you, you and I talked offline. 
I had a sense of, oh my God, here we go again. Just when I start to buy into the philosophy and everything I've seen, you know, I, and, and people say that I'm a Homer and I'm very positive and, you know, I, I saw the vision. I, I saw the vision that I thought was the, the, the steps in the right direction. And I'm a 34-year Dolphin fan, and what I saw on Sunday was one of the most discouraging performances I've mm-hmm. ever seen from this team that I love. And, you know, it, it, it's maddening, not, not to score, right? I picked Buffalo to win by a touchdown. And honestly, you know, the Dolphins got spanked by the Ravens 59 to 10 in an opener. And they are always due that one blowout loss they get in a season. You know, it, it's not that. And, you know, and before I kind of rip up <laughs> some of the things that happened, you know, I do want to give the defense a pat on the back because if they didn't do their job, that would have been a 56 to nothing game. Yeah. I, you know, they, you know, it wasn't perfect, right? But the offense continued to put them in bad situation after bad situation because it's fourth and two, and we have no offensive identity. We have three people calling plays, which means you have no one calling plays. And at the end of the day, we had no idea what we were doing with the football when we were on offense. Mind you, that this receiver core that we all touted was going to be great. I mean, Jalen Waddle, right? Like, let's, let's, yeah, he's the number six overall pick. That's the guy we took over Panay Sewell, right? You don't drop two balls and fumble a ball in midfield of the punt. That was game-changing because who says, you know, at worst, Sanders kicks a long field goal is 14-3. to three. You know, I'm going to give Jalen a pass because, you know, game two of his career. But what, what else did we see? Like, when are we going to give up on Jakeem Grant? The guy is not a good football player. Cool, he's fast. That's awesome. He can return a punt once every seven games. Good. We tried to trade him and no one wanted him. If that doesn't tell you, that he's not an NFL player. I'm so tired of this guy hurting us, right? He should have had a 90-yard touchdown against the Bengals last year. Hit him right in the hands. Dropped it, right? Fumbling at the five-yard line. Inexcusable. You know, Devontae Parker, right? Like, he has his moments. But, you know, this. let's not forget this guy was a number 12 overall pick. And the only way to summarize his career in Miami is inconsistent, whether it was his health or his performance. The one thing he does is catch jump balls. Jacoby Brissett was magical in the pocket. Extended the play, delivered a dime. I mean, and you can't catch the damn ball. That was the best throw of the day, to be honest with you, but for both quarterbacks. I mean, and Preston Williams, and, and, you know, like, look, you know, he he had two targets. You know, he didn't catch any balls. But, like, we waited for this guy all season to get out there. And, like, I I can't depend on Preston Williams. And then, you know, the guy who surprised me the most out of the whole bunch was Albert Wilson because he's been the darling of the training camp and he dropped two balls and one of them was a walking touchdown. And like, man, like in summary, like this, this receiving core was the most disappointing unit of the day, despite what was the most atrocious game I've ever seen from an offensive line in my life. Well, I would say the offensive line was the most disappointing unit. Well, we know they suck, right? But like they lived up to the hype and a little bit more. I mean, like, if you really think about it, not one player played well. Uh, I think the only salvageable players for the future are Robert Hunt and Eichenberg. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not like – and, like, I think Hunt's the best player of the unit. You know, we all know Jesse Davis shouldn't be playing starting on the offensive he's just, line. He's a swing tackle. He's a serviceable swing backup tackle, man. Yeah. And, and, and like, here's my thing. Like, you know, people have been watching me on Finside the NFL – um, you know, I've been preaching about this O line for um 
since I started my channel in March um, 2020, um, even before that, you know, when I was on the YouTube on different platforms, you know, even before we drafted Tua, you know, when I was out there leading the Tua train on YouTube, I was also saying, you know, even if you're not going to draft Tua, if you're going to draft Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, whoever, build us a wall like what you have in Las Vegas or what you have in Indianapolis. Well, it was Oakland at the time, back in their in their heyday, because we're even a couple of years ago was their heyday. Um, you know, and because then we can, you know, mediocre wide receivers can flirt with a thousand yards because the quarterback is going to have time to survey and just dice up defenses. Mediocre running backs can flirt with a thousand because the run blocking is going to be good if you have a brick wall up there, you know. And then, you know, if you draft the guy and he doesn't work out, you can plop someone else behind there and you can keep keep the process moving. You don't got to slow down. But I hated Austin Jackson coming out of USC he uh, in terms of its tape. It's just tape. Um, Julian Aquara, Bradley, and I, and uh, ironically enough, AJ Epinesa exposed him at USC. Come across his face, you know, uh, influenced me. I talk about this all the time. Last year, I did a preview ch show on Finside the NFL, and I talked about it was the preview for the Denver Broncos um, Miami Dolphins game. And someone in the chat said, Hey, Reason, what is, you know, like what, what matchup intrigues you the most or worries you the most? I said, Bradley Chubb on Austin Jackson. And Austin Jackson hadn't started to fall apart yet. But I knew Bradley Chubb was a, was smart enough, watched film, paid attention enough that he would have went back to the USC stuff and said, how are they beating this guy? And then what did he do? All day he started going across his face and was beating him and put the tape out there. Austin Jackson's never recovered. I mean, I do, uh, I do the Finish Line podcast with Richmond Webb, and he always tells me, once you put it on tape, they're going to keep doing it until you prove them to them. They can't beat you with that anymore. And Austin Jackson disaster Robert Hunt um I know he was serviceable at right tackle yes last year but I thought you know his best shot was at, at guard I thought he could be an all pro guard me too me too even, even he suffered because of the poor play around him Dieter my biggest issue with Dieter and I kept hammering into people's heads was this is a guy who hasn't played center since I believe 2016 he's never had to ID mics call out blitzers recognize disguises, communicate slide protections. He's never had to really do that. He's not doing that in Wisconsin or wherever he, I believe it was he went. He wasn't doing that, bro. Come on. And now the difference was we're in live action. And this isn't bred into him. Like you see Creed Humphreys had some struggles, and that's a guy who was a polished product. Pros polished prospect at that position, and he's he's having some some rookie struggles. You know, Dieter was basically a rookie at that position. Yeah, he's been in the league for three years, but he was a rookie at center. Um, Solomon Kinley, ever since that foot injury last year, he's slowed down. He's had the weight issues this training camp, and then you got Eichenberg, and Eichenberg's a guy who's fundamentally sound. His technique's very good. But here's the problem with Eichenberg, and you saw it a lot on Sunday. I mean, I don't know if you know, but so far, you saw athlete. it. Did you see him get put on his ass? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, okay. He's the problem is, athlete. well, it's not even just that. He's 302. He's 6'5", 6'6", whatever it is. Dude, he doesn't have the anchor in the base right now. They're talking about shifting him right now left to left guard, guard this mm -hmm. Sunday. Are you crazy? This guy can't handle speed, athletic rushers off the edge. How's he going to handle 
300 pound, 320, 30, 40 pound guys on the interior that are just going to kill them, bro. Like, give well, me up. Like, you know, and then I, I sit there and I listen to Lemuel Jean Pierre say, oh, you know, they asked him about Eichenberg, Hunt, and Jackson are reaching a ceiling. And he brings up Tristan Wirfs. And I'm paraphrasing, but he <laughs> says, you know, Tristan Wirfs, I would have thought he would have been an all pro guard. But then he, you know, he obviously showed he could play tackle too. Are you sitting there? Why would you say that? You're telling me you would have started this guy at guard? So, anyways, I look at this offensive line. I've been worrying everyone all year, okay? Because he Lemuel Jean-Pierre was always part of my argument. It was, you've got a rookie O-line coach teaching an O-line. With a rookie, you need to limit his mistakes. Three sophomores that you're hoping take an equally significant sophomore second-year leap. And then Jesse Davis, okay? So... As those rookie and those three sophomores, because remember, we changed up from Steve Marshall. I mean, are we going to go back and talk about how this really falls at Flores' feet where we got he got rid of Pat Flaherty, Patrick Flaherty because Flaherty told him, guess what, Dieter isn't ready, and they fired him after four days at training camp? But I digress. So we look at what's going on right now. They've gone from Steve Marshall to Lemuel Jean-Pierre, these sophomores, right? And they... You know, different coaches. You know, Steve Marshall was Gailey's guy. Lemuel Jean-Pierre was Flores' guy. They were different different coaches. So they're going to have different philosophies. They're going to stress different fundamentals and different techniques more so than the other. You're basically having to relearn again. Like when we talk a quarterback moving through a schematic and having to relearn a playbook and terminology, it's kind of but not as in-depth like that with the O-line right now in terms of you're getting pulled in like another direction now, right? So there's no continuity there. And, you know, just like there's no continuity at the offensive coordinator position, I mean, or any you, of the coaching positions. It, well, it's a you count of dude, you, you, coaching. You count Jim Caldwell. We're Godsey and Sudville are our fourth and fifth offensive coordinators in three years, and we've been through four offensive line coaches in three years. It's an issue on the offensive side of the ball, my friend. It is. It goes from the top to the bottom, and the one that's got to answer for it, and people don't want to hear it. It's Brian Flores, then Greer. And the reason why is because Barry Jackson just came out with his report saying that, you know, Brian Flores has just as much say in personnel decision, to which I've been telling people, but I wasn't telling people this little doozy, that Chris Greer defers to Brian Flores sometimes on personnel decisions. Holy crap. The problem with this is when you're – and a lot of coaches would love it when they're, ex- you know, you got a, a GM hands-on that's executing your vision. Problem is, you got to be, your vision has to be correct. And people got to pay for these personnel. Like, the politicking. Like, let's actually sit here and do this, Neil. A coach got fired four days into training camp for telling them Dieter wasn't ready because he was a third-round pick. That explains exactly why Austin Jackson is not going to the bench this weekend. Because he's an 18th pick, and no one in that room wants to put their hand up and say, I messed up. And he keeps telling us they're trying to put the five best out there. Well, guess what, Neil? The five best that I can see right now are Eichenberg, because he's still a rookie. We can blame it on that. Austin Jackson's just a disaster. Eichenberg still tries to hold his stuff, and the effort is there. Austin Jackson takes plays off. I don't care what anyone says. I've broken down a ton of all 22 on this team on my channel. It happens. Okay, Eichenberg. Hunt, um, Greg Manst. I'm gonna go for Manst. I'm not going for Dieter. Get him out of there. 
Robert Jones, a UDFA, might be a better option than Kinley right now. And, put and then no, and, and then at left tackle, show me what you what you're getting for that seventh round pick. I would rather see Greg Little right now than Austin Jackson. Well, yeah, let, let me dig in on the Flores. The honeymoon's are over with me and Brian Flores. Like at this point, starting Jesse Davis and Austin Jackson is just insane and reckless. I mean. Austin Jackson, we traded the best free safety in the NFL for the worst left tackle in the NFL. That that's that move. And, <laughs> and watching and why do you got to put it in that perspective, bro? But, oh but watching God. that so game, right. oh. watching that game and coming around in the scapegoat Solomon Kinley, like what is this yeah. team watching? Are he they had some bad reps, but not as bad as I Austin. mean, like I mean Jesse Davis on the play that Tua got injured, my old washed up ass. Would at least got trampled and tripped him up over him running over my lifeless body on the ground. The Can I say something on that play? Can I say something on that play? Two things came into that factor, I think. Because I watched all 22, broke it down, watched the broadcast. You know what happened? I'm going to tell you two, two things. One, slow getting, he didn't even get into his kick slide. Slow, yep. exploding out of his stance, not even getting into his kick slide. I think the knee won. Two, you know what the issue was? If you go back and watch that play, look at the whole jump that defensive line got. You know what the issue was, Neil? Dieter didn't snap. It, no, it was going down from three, two, one on the play and, clock, and they knew they had to snap it. Okay. So they just they just timed it on the play clock, and boom! If you line up the play clock with the, the get off, they left right after right after the one hit. Boom! They were off. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, like, I think what did Austin Jackson give up? Nine pressures. And yeah, then, eight, the eight, thing that really eight. pisses me off about Austin Jackson is after he gets beat, he just waltzes around he's back locked. there. Like, yeah. what, like, have some freaking pride in yourself, man. Your quarterback went down because you guys didn't do your damn job. Like how? Like what? What kind of team are we cheering for when they're okay? When their starting quarterback gets put out, where's the fight? Like, you know, we both played football, reason. And look, you know, I my football career ended in high school, right? But I'll tell you this right now. If anyone ever put out my the quarterback of my team, who's my best friend since I was five years old, I would be fucking fighting my ass off to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And, and that's what's really pissing me off about this Dolphin team. Not the loss, not the scoreboard, but you just had your division rivals walk in and beat your ass and you just sat there and take took it. And Brian Flores, you have this tough demeanor. You're walking around the sidelines trying to fight Zach Taylor. Well, you know what? You're Sean McDermott's bitch, man. And he keeps proving it year after year. And you know what? Josh Allen, the defense did their freaking job. You know, you know what? You know what happened, Neil? I posed this question and I'm gonna pose it to you. And you actually kind of answered it, but I want to hear it again. Is it Josh Allen? Who's the Dolphins' daddy? Or is it Sean McDermott? Who's Brian Flores' daddy right now? Well, I'm I think sorry. Sunday proved it's McDermott, not Josh Allen. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I'm sorry for the language getting fired up, but I love it, bro. Let me also say you this: feel. you know what made me? You know what hit me at four o'clock for the first time? We're we're a pretender, not a contender. Not just that, we botched this whole rebuild. We botched it because we Cleveland we, Browns did. We had the quarterback we wanted. And instead of making the bold move and having the draft capital to go up and get a Tristan Wirfs, 
we settled for Austin Jackson. They, they knee-jerked. This and was then, the problem. They did it in free agency. Joe Tooney was going to be a Dolphin. He got franchise tagged. Literally, Neil, five minutes later, they knee-jerked for Eric Flowers, who was an absolute disaster as a tackle in, the, in, in New York, had one mediocre season with the Washington Redskins, mediocre, and they signed him to that money. And I was like, "What are you? are you crazy? And then what do they do? They see... We talked about it prior because I heard the same thing, but you heard the actual package details. I heard just like you, they were trying to move up for 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 Tristan Wirfs. Okay, they didn't want to get off Kinlaw. Yeah, they didn't want to get off Kinlaw, right? So they asked for the 18th, the third, and the fifth, like you said, and then they didn't want to pony up the price. And I think that comes down to Greer always wants to look like make it look like he won a trade. He never wants everyone to question he lost one. And what did they do? They knew Jerk reacted on – he was – yo, Austin Jackson was my OT10. You can go back and see my big board up inside the NFL. He was my OT10. I had a late second, early third-round grade on the kid. Did not like his tape at all. And they knee-jerked again. They've shown knee – just like how they got – if you actually look at it, they're very arrogant in the draft too. They are very arrogant in the sense of they think guys they rate highly are going to fall to them and they don't have to move up. You could tell that's how they played – the running back position, and then they had to trade up this year because that's how they started playing the tackle position because they took Javon Hall at thirty six, which I love the I love yeah, the pick. I love the pick. I mean, you know, but look, look, a broken clock's right twice a day, right? They hit some good picks. I think Raekwon Davis is going to be a good pick. I think Javon Holland is, but the first round of that twenty twenty, which was essential to get two good players, well, we have an incomplete on Tua because we failed him, and we'll talk about that more later. We have a complete dud, a guy who honestly. Austin Jacks is the kind of guy, even though he's very young and has elite traits, that gets cut from the Dolphins. Does he have elite traits, though? You watch him, his hands get swatted away. You watched, I saw Mario uh, Addison did that. Profile. Okay, it, it, yeah, that's it. But his footwork is sh- terrible. Oh, his his base is terrible. His anchor, his hand placement is awful. Did you see that spin move Mario Addison put on him and just got inside? Kinley came over to help. It was too late. His hand placement was terrible. Epinesa was just swatting uh, his hands and he wasn't resetting. Like, He's just not very good. And you know, Matt, Matt Milano drove. Matt Milano, I think, is 110 pounds lighter than him, and, and was driving him, driving yeah. him into the quarterback. Like, and Milano is a hell of a football player, but yeah. you know, when you got 115 pounds of someone, you shouldn't get thrown around like that. But yeah. well, like, just whatever. He, he he's a complete bust. He'll never play on another. Knowing Benogany's a bust. Well, you know what to think about. You know what the ironic thing about us getting Greg Little for a seventh is he. That's what Austin Jackson's going to turn into. Oh, it's 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 coming. They're very similar in terms of how like they they were hyped and how how it felt landed out for them. But I mean, Noah Benogany, and that and we know that's a don't even try to tell me that ain't a Florence pick, bro. Oh, don't even try to tell me. And it was also a move because. They were okay with getting rid of Xavier Howard. Yeah, they were they, okay they, with it. They tried to do it this year too by continuing with Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland were part of that. They were going to get the organic pass rush, and then they were going to make up some of the ball production well, that Noah couldn't produce. And then Noah didn't take that step. They were going to make up with that with Javon Holland. Noah couldn't. Noah didn't step up. They saw Tua shredding the secondary, and they went and gave X their his money when they didn't even intend to. So. Well, let's talk about Jalen Phillips for a minute because this is another thing that's going to get me really fired up. So you watch good organizations put their young players in position to succeed, right? Everyone watch Sunday Night Football, watch Adofe, um, Owe, Owe, yeah. just, you know, 
honestly wreak havoc for, for the Baltimore Ravens. You know why? Because they don't put make the game too big for them. They say, we are going to make you a relentless pass yep. rusher, and you go do that. But we have Jalen Phillips covering slot receivers. Like, it just – doesn't understand. Like, did you not learn from when you had Minka Fitzpatrick that you don't try to make everybody a versatile? Especially in year one. Well, especially in year one. It's like you said, you're not trying. Okay, in year one, it's all about getting players comfortable in the NFL. And by doing that, you allow them to do the things that they're comfortable doing that brought them to the success and status they're at, i.e. with Jalen Phillips, hands in the dirt, rush the passer. Yeah, and, and you know, and and Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips is an A plus first round for most NFL teams, but maybe not for the Miami Dolphins because we don't even use them for their. Yeah, but isn't it kind of? But hold on, okay. So here, are we kind of telling on Flores again now because Jalen Phillips is clearly a Flores pick? Yeah, because Brian Flores was the only one in attendance at that Hurricanes pro day. You remember that, right? Sure, but I mean, like Jalen Phillips is a good, really good football player. That like, look, he's amazing. He was my two, my number two edge. It's not him. I'm. What I'm saying is, this is a further indictment on Brian Flores. Is what I'm saying. Well, you know what? He's he's making these decisions. He's putting Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis. And the coaching isn't good. And your job's on the line with that because if you do that, look, Jacoby Brissett is is a backup quarterback, and I want to put it in perspective. He's a serviceable backup quarterback. But he ain't winning you football games. And I'm going to tell you this right now. With Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, with Gus Bradley's defense. Carl Nassib. I I hope the hell that Jacoby Brissett makes it out of here. Because we might be looking at next week against the the Colts that Reese Nets the starting quarterback. Well, let me hit you with this, Neil. Uh, Jesse Davis was just the blindside protector. Now the blindside becomes Austin Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck with that, Jacoby. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be taking an Uber out of Miami on his he, own accord. He better be on the shortest leash that we've ever seen. Where if in the first se- series he's getting about pressure, they yank his ass for a Greg Little. I don't care, Eichenberg. They, I, they better do something. Jacoby Brissett is currently eleven and nineteen and thirty starts over the last five seasons. He's among the worst in QBR and yards per attempt in that time, and is the only QB with at least twenty five starts completing under sixty percent of his passes. Brissett's average time to throw the last five seasons is 2.9 seconds, the fifth longest in the NFL. It's led to him being pressured on 34% of his dropbacks, the sixth highest rate in the NFL since 2017. And that's with a New England line that was had one of the best the best offensive line coach in the NFL and who was getting the best out of guys like Nate Solder. And that's now with the brick wall they have over there in Indianapolis. And yes. You you see that production, yo. Jacoby Brissett is a Jacoby Brissett is out here saying everyone he's a starter. Yeah, I. Uh, sorry, Jacoby, you're a scrub. You're not well, a starter, buddy. Well, let's let's, I let's, mean, let's 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 let's. I will. I, I I'm gonna hit you with some real stuff right now. I'd rather see what we can get out of Reed Sinnott, bro. Sinnott to win it. I li- I know what I'm getting out of Jacoby Brissett. Reed Sinnott. I don't know what I'm gonna get. At least. I know we're going to lose these games anyways. Let's see what Reed can deliver. Well, well, I would well, rather see that. I'm let's talk about that, though, Reason, because that, that's really important, <laughs> what you just said. Like, I, I think we're going to go and lose three games in a row. And it's not what I want to say. Dude, do you know, know we average 3.6 yards per rush, and yet we average 2.9 yards per pass play? People want to say two a dinks and dunks. 
Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a Dolphins fan. I'll get slaughtered for saying this. I don't see how they win one of the next three games. No, and and, and let and, me ask you this: If you go into Tampa one and three, Tua says he's because yo Brian Flores confirmed. Not only did Tua try to get back into the game last Sunday and they shut him down, he wants to go this Sunday. Did you? If you're one and three heading into Tampa against that defense with this line, we're talking like Devin White. We're talking Levante David. We're talking Sue. Wood, you know what? Sue. Jason no, Pierre Vita Vea. You know what Vita Vea is. You know what Vita Vea is going to do to the interior of this team, bro. The, the okay. answer is no. You don't. You don't. Do you even you bring him in? I wouldn't start him to London. You don't even start him to London, dude. And all he's doing at that point, in my opinion, is auditioning for his next team. Because I will say this. And this is not like I let me make this very, very well. Clear. That's not fair because we got we it, technically we'd have one and four start, he's seven and three as a starter. Well, we're losing to Buffalo, <laughs> right? We're losing to Baltimore, right? Like, I like, I like, I get it, and I hope that, like, God, man, I'm voting, I'm rooting for Tua more than anything, you know. And, and I wanted to make this really clear Tua is an absolute warrior, he has lived up to his end of the bargain, right? What was his end of the bargain? They recover from that hip surgery, get himself healthy enough to be the star of this team, right? He had the, he has to trust that his front office is going to surround him with the right pieces. So they went out and got him two of the fastest players in football, Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. You know what the problem is? He can't even get on the damn ball because he's hit within three seconds every time after every snap. So like, this isn't an indictment on Tua at all. Like my, my evaluation of Tua has not changed. At all, no. But and I, our evaluation, because I know I had a favorite. You know, I had a favorable, very, very favorable one of him too. And our people don't realize, Neil, we won't be wrong. Our evaluation will continue if he goes to another city. Yeah, and, and like the and two, like two is the guy that you doubt that keeps coming back, and he's not going to stop until he's great. He's going to win he, a Super Bowl in this league. I'm telling you right now. Well, look, the thing about it is, we have failed him since he's been here, and here's why I'll say that. First, the Ryan Fitzpatrick saga last year, right? When you're starting veteran quarterbacks in the media talking about how shocked he was, yeah. all that stuff. And then when they had to pull him in Denver and they pulled him in the Raiders, all of that stuff is not what you do to a franchise quarterback. You let him learn from his lumps. We weren't a dangerous football team last year. Who cares if we got in the playoffs? We would have got our asses kicked in the first game we played. So, like, I, they should have let Tua. And then this whole offseason, he's healthy. He's, you know, looking better in camp. But you know what he has to deal with? Every time he freaking hears someone, it's about Deshaun Watson and the Dolphins looking to trade. And look, that's not a rumor. That is fact. It has almost happened, and that is not going to die because, unfortunately, if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, Stephen Ross, the owner, is going to put the blame on people. And the two people that I know are going to be on the firing squad, you know, that are, that are going to be the victims of the fire squad, are Tua and Chris Greer. Yeah, I I don't know if Flores is. I think he should be, but Tua hasn't had a fair shot in Miami. As crazy as that sounds, because you don't have an opportunity to see. This was the biggest game probably of his career against Buffalo home opener. And what did we see him for? A couple series because he got put out of the game. So like this is not an indictment on him. I'm a Tua fan. I still think stay the course with him is the right move. But I yeah. do think when this all the tea leaves, right? Like you got to have some intuition here and realize that that owner wants a superstar and he wants to win now. He's what, 85? I don't even know how old he is. I know he's in his 80s. He wants to win now. 
Deshaun Watson wants to come here, and I didn't. We didn't mention his name last week, and we ta- we joked about it, right? But the name's going to come more and more up if the Dolphins finish seven and ten or eight and nine. Like that is going to be unacceptable to the owner, and it should be. But you know, unfortunately, I think that Tua is going to shoulder the blame when he shouldn't because they're going to make look this organization. But are you are we sure about this? Because he's looked at it in the sense of okay. You've created all this draft capital. He's seeing the guys around to a whiff, especially on the offensive line. Then he looks at the fact that last year he opened his pockets to the, the, the sum of around $256, $260 million, and already $150 million worth of those contracts are out the door. So kind of doesn't he kind of see them? I you got to believe he's kind of see, especially a guy who's built so many successful businesses. He's got to see them misusing the resources. Yeah, but he you know as a football operation, with as the owner, the Dolphins have failed. Right, they're a failed business model. They don't have a playoff sniffle win in twenty years. So like, if you're a new GM, right? Because because I I think ultimately Chris Greer's going to be fired at the end of the season. You're a new GM. You come in. You have eighty. You, you, have think Flores tries to, you think Flores tries to get those responsibilities? God, if we do, it's just the if same thing. If he already has that do. much, if he already has that much say in personnel. But yeah, it, it's a possibility. But eighty million dollars, you still have you still have a treasure trove of draft picks over the next two years. I, I just think that like the writing's on the wall that they'll make a bold move. And you know, I don't think they're gonna have to pay the king's ransom that the Texans are asking, but they oh, might if other if other teams get into it. But again, I just want to emphasize, this is not what I want to happen. This is just what I think is going to happen. Can I ask you, can we, let's, let's talk this Watson thing for a sec. Okay. This is why I hate this whole scenario. Okay. First of all, since you can't draft them, spend those three first and two seconds you're asking for, go get me a legit tackle and a legit mic. Number two. Okay. Here, here's where I'm gonna go with this one, and you could probably get me another tackle for that for the for all those picks. Okay, here, here's here's where I push back. If what I and I admit I, I'm not arguing Watson's a better player than Tua. What I'm saying is there's so much disarray and there's so many things going wrong from coaching to the field level to the product and players on the field that Watson's not gonna fix this. And in fact, he might make it worse for Flores and such in long term because the expectations will immediately ramp up. And you'll go from maybe having some leeway to both of you aren't going to have any leeway after that. And where where I'm going with this is if Watson, you know, we already learned last year that Mahomes needed an offensive line in the Super Bowl. That was what stopped him from being competitive and potentially winning that game. You know, Watson, okay? Injuries aside, because remember, he had the crack He's got a ton of injuries. He's got a ton of injuries. Yeah, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah, and some of them were on his line. Where Where I'm going with this is, I agree he's a top five quarterback, but if he could do it without an offensive line, why did we take them to the woodshed for Laramie Tunsil. Why did they need a franchise left tackle that bad if he was so special and he was able to make up for the inept offensive line? The answer is he couldn't. That's why they had to. And so do we are we really that naive and we really and we are really 
that far gone where we think trading for him is going to solve these protection issues because guess what? He has an injury history too, and this guy may get hurt because like Brissett, Austin Jackson becomes his blindside protector. Well, I, I think they would learn actually from their mistakes and they'd probably give him the offensive line that Tua deserves. And, you know, I, I know they have 80 million in cap space. I, I kind of was looking at over the cap today. I got them to 110 with just releasing the likes of Clayton Fajetalum, Greg Little, you know, guys that are carrying the, you know, just, you know, I, honestly, I released Devontae okay, Parker. So then, I, I so, now, so, so then why not? You've got a, a quarterback on a rookie contract. He doesn't deserve the same. Because I think the owner's given, I think the owner, Steve Ross, thinks Watson's a way better player than Tua. Well, he, he is wants right him. now. At this he, point. he might be. And, and, and that's beside the point because it, it goes against aside. your plan. It goes against your plan, right? You built yeah. your plan to build around Tua. But I, I think it's a panic, knee-jerk move. And look, we're the Miami Dolphins. That's what we do. We panic. We knee-jerk. That's what we've done for what? When did Dan Reno retire? 99? So yeah. we've been doing that for a long time. We won't give Tua the proper evaluation because you know why? The owner knows that if they go 7 and 10 or 8 and 9 that the fan base is just like look at the game like look at the crowd look at all the bills fans and the bills social media posting that it was a home game like like I I, look i live in baltimore yeah if you do that in baltimore you're getting your ass kicked you're fighting no, i'm not just saying that you're fighting people in the parking lot the ravens fans don't play games like that you come to their stadium and you act like an asshole you're gonna get some fist and, and they, they're okay with going to jail for the night. You go to Central Book in, they let you out, they give you a little bloney sandwich, you're good to go. But they'll do that, right? Like, I, I, I'm just telling you, man, it's not what I want, but they'll have the $110 million. And, like, they have some key free agents they got to look at, right? Mike Gusecki, Emmanuel Agba. Uh, Agba deserves a contract now, actually. Yeah. Like, he's the best. He's one of the best players on this team. I, I don't even know why you would let a fourth most pressures of any D. And then, and then who am I missing? You know, honestly, and the third guy that I had down was Will Fuller. And the reason I would say that they might look at keeping him because he, he's Deshaun Watson's guy. But with that Why not said, draft someone, draft someone. Well, I just think that Will Fuller, the whole debacle, and, and we don't know all the details. Yeah. I don't think you can invest in a guy that yeah, is I contemplating agree. retirement after, yeah. you know, yeah. after, you know, so, so, you know, I, I think what, you know, it, it, if that's the route they're going to do, you first of all, you got to keep Ogba. I had actually franchised. I think I told you this the before. The thing is, doesn't Watson next year? Watson jumps up to forty million. Oh yeah, so it's it's going to cost you forty million. So that's why I mean, you're going to have sixty million in cap space. Maybe this maybe. year was the year to enjoy the benefit because it's only like ten fifteen million this year. I think, right? Yeah, you know, and who knows? And like that, you know, the funny thing though, do we all know this? The cap is a myth, right? Like they make it work, and I think that you know they could get out. Well, I remember back. when this all started. He also his camp said he might restructure too. Yeah, because he wants to get out. He wants to be Miami. He'll make a ton of money endorses no state tax. There's a lot of things that go into it. But say you go out and get a Taron Armstrong and Armstead and a Brandon Scherf, right? Let, let's just throw those names out there, right? And then you put, you know, maybe you put Hunt back at right tackle, and then your line. Scherf, actually, Robert Hunt was uh, Brandon Scherf was my pro comp for Robert Hunt. Yeah, and and I like you know maybe you don't square like maybe Scherf's going to be too expensive. I I think Eichenberg could be. 
potentially I think we need right the tackles. tackle. I think we need the tackle. Well, that's what I'm like, saying. Taron Armstead. I mean, he's center. He's 30. He'll be 31, I think, when the next season starts. But if yeah. you add, if you add two premium talents to that offensive line, and you have Hunt, who you think is salvageable, and Eichenberg, you know, and then you go out and use a second or third round pick on one other. I mean, you can fit, look what the Chiefs did. They fit yeah, their this, line. This, this franchise drafting another. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's that's the problem. But like. You know, it's unfortunate, it's reckless, and, and honestly, as a Tua fan, I, I, I hope the guy comes back from an injury. I got to and- say this. I, I got this. I got to say this. Because I know we wanted to we go, only wanted to go to about 45 minutes here, right? We're almost at 40 minutes. Um, we wanted to cut back for all of you that, you know, I know we talked for an hour and 20 minutes last time, so I know people want to cut back. But I, I got to say this. So prior to Sunday, Tua was seventh and three in his career in his career starts. The Dolphins were eighteen eight and fourteen in the twenty two games before he started. The team had two winning seasons in the twelve years before he went six and three last year, and the team finished ten and six. Of all the QBs drafted in twenty nine or after that have more than three starts, Tua is the only one with a winning record. Burrow three eight and one, Herbert seven and ten, Hertz two and four. Uh, Kyler's 15, 18, and 1. Daniel Jones, 8, 8 and 21. Haskins, 3 and 10. Locke, 8 and 10. Minshew, 7 and 13. And, you know, you, you know Trevor Lawrence right now, 0 and 2. Zach Wilson, 0 and 2. Mac Jones, 1 and 1. Um, Who was his loss but, to? Who was Mac Jones' loss to? Two yeah, exactly, home? right? Okay, two yeah, at yeah. home. You know, where Tua yeah. became the youngest quarterback to win at Gillette. The only quarterback to beat him twice in his first 10 games and the youngest quarterback to beat Belichick in consecutive starts, but that doesn't matter, right? Anyways, the thing is, he didn't take over a winner. You know, this roster, you know, he did this with the roster people are basically seeing today, especially on the offensive line. You know, this they were a joke, and... You know, look at the game he had against the Cardinals and look at the second half he had against Kansas City. As good as Herbert was, as good, you know, and Herbert's throwing intercept key interceptions that have cost him games too, right? As good as Herbert was, as good as Burrow's been, you know, do any of them have that Cardinals game? The Cardinals game was probably the best performance of any quarterback out of the last this class and last year's class. Okay. And you know, my whole thing here too is, you know, I mean, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence have as many picks in two games as Tua does in this whole career. It's and funny, if you right? Want, if you, if you want to, if you want to, if you, but are they bust? But, it, and then you want to, let's stay home for a second here. First 10 games of the career, Tannehill, four and six, 58 completion percentage. Six touchdowns, eleven interceptions, one rushing TD, six point eight yards, six point eight eight yards per attempt, seventy point eight QBR. Tua in his first ten games, seven and three, sixty four completion percentage, twelve touchdowns, six interceptions, four rushing TDs, six point six yards per attempt, and an eighty six point four QBR. And Tua, and you're trying to sit here and tell me that Tua Tungvaloa is the problem right now. And, and I'm not saying you. I'm talking to people in general. I, I, I hear you. And, 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 and we need to trade three first and two second round picks for Deshaun Watson and place him behind this offensive line right now where, let's be honest, Neil's not wrong. You know, Eichenberg, because you don't know what you have, and he's a rookie, and Hunt 
are probably your only two legitimate salvageable. They were the only ones that would, I'm not going to say they'd be starting, but would be competing for starting roles on any yeah, other and Hunt, team. And, right I, and Robert Hunt's a starter, man. Robert Hunt had a bad I, game. Hey, but, hey, I'm just saying, they would yeah, be competing. No one else in training camp on this team that's starting or on the depth would be competing for a starting job right now. Sorry, bro. No, Peter would not be a starter. Not. Kinley, because of his weight issues, would not be a starter. And Austin Jackson would have gone to the bench. But Austin Jackson is living proof of the politics on the draft picks going on that happened with Flaherty getting fired after four training camp sessions because he said Dieter wasn't ready. And now Flores is telling us they're going to start the best five players on that offensive line. Well, why is he starting? Your best five right now are probably Eichenberg, Minsk, Hunt, Robert Jones, and see what Greg Little has because it can't be any worse than what Austin Jackson is giving us. We don't – he's not – It everything You're isn't lining up, bro. The You're message isn't lining up what, I, what, what my eyes are telling me. Do you understand what I'm saying yeah, here? Yeah, you're not wrong. And, again, I just want to emphasize this one more time because – and I just I, I I we lost Neil there for a sec, and it just my my whole thing is, uh, don't try to hustle me, don't try to sell me, you know, don't try to sell me bullshit and say that it's polished gold. Like, yeah. just don't sell me on these false narratives. Don't talk to me like I'm a child. Like you're patronizing me with what you're telling me and what I'm seeing. Yeah, and I just again, it, this is not what I want to happen. It's my fear because I think I think that I, like all those stats you put out and all those numbers are great, man, and and it's good to have comparison. I'll put all that aside. I've seen Tua go seven to three with a Dolphins t offense last year that was borderline laughable, right? With the running back situation and Miles Gaskin was a pleasant surprise. We didn't have Jalen Waddle or Will Fuller, and you know that can't. The City game, to me, meant almost as much as that Arizona game, to be honest. And everyone sees Patrick Mahomes and thinks that you, they just grow in trees. Patrick Mahomes is a unicorn. Oh, we man. won't see another Patrick Mahomes for 20 years, right? Like, that's not happening. And two is not going to be Patrick Mahomes. And he doesn't have to be. Because how many Super Bowls has Patrick Mahomes won? One, right? Other quarterbacks win two. So Tua can be the cerebral assassin that he is as a passer. And he hasn't even got to enjoy the fruits of the offseason with Waddle and Fuller on the field at the same time yet. We haven't even get, got to see this yet, but what Tua's done is won with a mediocre football team. Miami Dolphins, to me, are a mediocre football team. That gives Tua even more you know, praise to me because he has won with this team. That Look, you just named these quarterbacks that have you know more talent around them, and they can't win, right? Like, like, for example, we'll talk about Joe Burrow. That receiving core they have is insane. And Joe Mixon would be our best running back we've had since Ricky Williams, right? Like, so, like, I, I don't want to hear the, like, that two is underwhelmed. He was a little bit below what I expected as a rookie, but he kept winning, and it, that's what mattered. And he also wasn't fully healthy, right? Yeah, he wasn't, and he looked so much better this offseason. Everything looked better about two of this offseason. I didn't see 100% the tour from Alabama, but I, I he was getting there. And Nick, this is a setback. You know, I hate that he gets labeled injury pro. The guy is a freaking warrior. What he did to play against LSU in that game, 
the like the Titans. Well, he tried to come back on Sunday. He tried, he tried to, to come back. He, 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 he said he told him, yeah, he's trying to play this Sunday. I don't want to hear How that. How do you nonsense. not root for this guy? I, I like yeah. I, it. Just drives me insane. And I hope that like you know, I hope it's not the next three games because with Tua, you know what the problem the is, Neil. With Tua, we don't we can beat the Colts. You know what the problem is right now. And it goes back to last year, and it's bled into this year with the offensive coordinators. This offense has no identity. None. None. They don't have a game plan because they don't have real offensive coordinators, man. These guys, are they could be great assistant like to the offensive coordinator. They are not offensive coordinators. They, they, don't even, they can't even come out and tell you who's calling the plays. Like, that is not an offensive coordinator, and, and that's where a lot of my frustration lies. Like, like Brian Flores, like him or not, right? All we've had is below average coaching surround him since he's been here, right? Chan Gailey was maybe a household name, but the guy came out of retirement and he was here one yeah. year. What does that tell you? He didn't want to yeah. be here. He got another yeah. paycheck. The Dolphins made another, you know, foolish move to even make him the guy. But, you know, we, we, we're going to be talking about Tua for, the, for a long time this season. It's going to happen every week. And I, I hope as a football fan, I'm going to take my Miami Dolphin hat off and say as a football fan, that a guy like Tua comes back from this injury. And you know what? The best story he can tell is to go out and take this Dolphin team to nine or ten wins by even missing three games. Like, look, put his stats aside because now, you know, losing three games or four, I mean, look, he, did, he didn't really have a game against Buffalo, right? So you, you got to throw didn't, everything out the, you throw that out the window. But here's the thing about it is, like, I don't even – the Buffalo loss, we're one and one. If Tua was healthy – my prediction against the Raiders would be way different than I'm about to predict against the Colts. It'd be way get into the predictions because we're running out of time. Yeah, here, so. I, I, okay, so so I that we scored 17 week one and we scored zero week two. The average is 10. I'm going to say the Dolphins lose this game. They travel to West Coast to, the, to Las Vegas. That crowd's still amped up. Their team's two and zero. They got the new house. I, I think we're going to see a game like 27 to 10 Raiders win. Um, and you know, it's disappointing to say that I think Derek Carr, you know, playing MVP football right now, that guy. Yeah. He's playing MVP football. I, I think our secondary will hold him, hold him in check. Darren, yeah. Darren Waller will make some plays. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. They, I, I don't think they're going to have Josh Jacobs. So we're going to see our old friend, Kenyon Drake back there. Yeah. A, a good amount. But with that said, like, unfortunately, I, I just think that the Raiders, you know, they're just going to have too much – they, they could have a defensive touchdown or two. I mean, they're just going to have too much success against our offensive line. I, I don't see how not. Max Crosby is playing like he's a defensive player of the year candidate right now. Yannick Ngakwe has refound the player that he once was. Look, they're secondary. Honestly, like, we should – I mean, it, it, with a healthy two, well, we should have been able to eat on them. And their linebacker yeah. core – isn't. I mean, their defense has played well because Gus Bradley's a good defensive mind. But that, I mean, it's, it's frustrating because this is a game that I think we should have as a W. But without – uh, ja yeah. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's not going to – how do you have it going? So I actually have us losing 24-9. to nine. I don't think we score a touchdown. So, so we're like right there. And you know what? That's another thing that's been really frustrating about the season. Like I, I, our second-best player is a kicker, right, Jason Sanders. And we haven't even given him the opportunities – to put up points. I mean, like, he's my fantasy football kicker. I lost by I lost both games that I had last week, one by point three and one by four points. You'd hope your kicker could get you those damn points. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's just frustrating. But I'm with you. Like, I think we're going to be kind of, like, 
we'll panic. We won't try to establish the run, which is what we need to do. When you have a backup quarterback in and your offensive line can't pass block, you should try to establish the run a little bit. And the Raiders mm-hmm. are a team you can run on. But, you know, it, it, this goes back to just not trusting the coaching staff, man. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, a good, a really good, well-coached football team might be able to go and squeak this one out even with a backup quarterback. But, like, did you get the sense against Buffalo that we panicked? Because I did. I thought we panicked as soon as things didn't go our way. And that's not good coaching. They're creating pressure at a high rate, though, over there in, in Las Vegas right now. Um, I know Roethlisberger was pressured on – 31% of his dropbacks, and I believe Lamar Jackson was pressured on like 56% of his dropbacks. Well, they made uh, Villanueva you know look like Austin the, Jackson. <laughs> well, the Lamar Jackson kind of jives with our offensive line because through two weeks, our offensive line has allowed 55% uh, pressure on 55% of our dropbacks. Oh, yeah. Wow. Not, I mean, that's I mean, that's telling. And, and that's what's scary. So what, so what do you do when you know you're going in with the worst offensive tackle situation in the league? And let it ride, baby. Let it ride. <laughs> you let it ride, and you're facing <laughs> the league's best. I mean, look, Crosby and Ngakwe right now is the league's best pass rush. Right? Can I just say, hasn't it not deflated and taken the air out of the excitement of watching Sunday now that two is not there? Oh, I mean, man, I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite things that I like to do um, after football Sunday over the course of the week. I, I love tuning into all your shows. I like listening to some of the dolphin pods out there. I haven't digested or listened to anything this week just because I know how, how what's going to be covered. And it's just, it's so frustrating that we're here. It's week two and the wheels have already started to come off the bus. And I know there's Cracks in the foundations are showing my friend. Well, I, I know people are going to be on Twitter. Like, Oh, you, you're being negative. Like Jacoby Brissett, like, come on guys. Like, let's not lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better for 15 minutes. But that's Jacob- what being a dolphin fans all around about. Brother. I mean, every time we get a guy, he's the best. Like Jacoby Brissett was a backup for a reason. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we liked him and we signed him because he's brother. He's- Jacoby Brissett lost his job to a Phillip rivers with a completely shot arm, dude. Yeah, and, and honestly, like Philip Rivers was shot, and it was a rightful decision by Frank Reich and the team. And that's what's scary is that I I don't think people understand that like it's not just plug and play, and that Jacoby Brissett's going to throw 500 yards and four touchdowns. Man, I hope we're both wrong, and because I I would love to eat crow on Monday morning and the Dolphins go up there and throw 300 yards and Waddle and Fuller are catching bombs, but you know. I don't think that's the reality. Look, I'm wrong all the time. Like, I'm wrong more than I'm right. So, like, you know, this isn't gospel what I'm putting out there. Uh, I just – the yeah. matchup's a tough matchup. West Coast yeah. trip, you know, it, it, it's – the Raiders are, The Raiders are playing good football, man. The Raiders are the team right now, honestly, that I thought the Miami Dolphins were going to be. I agree. You know, so – but uh, I, I think, you know, I'll watch – I'll be there commiserating. My five-year-old son will be there with me telling me, it's all right, Daddy. We'll get him next time. You know, I'll buy into it. It's it's the last um, Dolphins game I get to watch um, before the birth of my daughter next week. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm excited to watch it with my son, kind of a, as the family that we have today. And then, you know, <laughs> it's going to be a hectic week the following week. I would love nothing more than it to be a Dolphins win, and you know, a little because we all get a little extra pep in our step when the Dolphins win. But I I, I hope that you know it's not the debacle that we saw in Buffalo. Uh, well, brace yourself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will um, see you guys back here next week um, for another episode where we all go fin too deep. 
Um, stay happy, healthy, safe, blessed, and it's fins up all day, every day, guys.